Amen. As we continue through the season of Lent, I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36. As we continue this 40-day journey of Lent, the reminder is that we prepare our hearts so that when we come to Easter, the celebration of the resurrection, we celebrate in all joy after doing the preparation, the hard work of the heart work of preparing ourselves for Easter. And today we'll be reading one of those Easter texts, but um, I'll have a slightly different focus because of baptism today. And either you'll begrudge me that or you'll just let me get away with it. But the, one of the verses is a simple statement on behalf of some Greeks that are left unnamed, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. And that is our hope as we come to Easter, to resurrection, that we in our hearts, in our lives, in our daily walk, that we would like to see Jesus the living Christ displayed throughout the world. So as we read from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36, will you pray with me? Lord, we would like to see Jesus. So Jesus, come and walk among us. Dwell in this place by the power of your Holy Spirit. Dwell within the pages of your word and illumine them to us that they may be living and active before us. Dwell in our hearts and in our minds, that we give you the best of who we are, and that we come to you in repentance for the corners of our soul that we can't give over to you. Dwell among us, Jesus, for we would like to see you, both this day and every day, as we follow you for a life of discipleship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who is from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered, and yet others said that an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus replied, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. 
Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. And the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to tell you a story. Some of you know it in its entirety. Others of you know pieces of it. But today, as I reflect on my son's baptism... As I share some things that I almost say directly to him, it's just like at a wedding where the words are addressed to the couple. And yet for everyone who's in attendance and hearing, it's a reminder for them for their own vows. Or it's a reminder for them for the type of marriage that they desire to have. So in the same way today, as you hear a sermon preached, as some things are said as if they are to Ben, they are, and they're to all of us. October 15th. 2017 was a Sunday morning, but it was a scary one for Caitlin and I. Caitlin was having uh, pre-labor contractions, and they increased in frequency enough that she ended up going to the hospital. Ann Brower stayed with Ada, and Tori Longfield took Caitlin to the hospital, earning Nathan and Tori the Intern of the Year Award. It was a frightening day for us. I preached, and Tori was texting Nathan to update him throughout the service on how things were going, and many of you remember I left abruptly after the sermon before congregational prayer. I went to the hospital. I remember as I passed church leaving to go to the hospital, I saw Jason Coyers pulling out of the driveway, and he just gave me a wave and a look. What I didn't know is that Jason had already called Andrea because that was the weekend of the women's retreat. Jason and a few others had called the women at the women's retreat and said, pray for Pastor Stephen and Caitlin and their baby. A couple hours later at the hospital, I got a text message from Phil Meisty and a few others who took pictures of the congregation at North Holland gathered right here to pray for us with the assurance, your church is praying for you meant the world to us. That day subsided pretty calmly, and all was well. We knew that Ben would probably come early, but everything ceased at that time, and he was healthy and well. Fast forward to November 6th, 2017, around 2 p.m., I asked Caitlin if she's having contractions or not, because if she is, I won't have to go to consistory. No such luck, nothing was happening. (laughs) 
The next day, November 7, after consistory, contractions have begun. The real ones this time. At 11.45 p.m. on November 7th, Caitlin's water breaks while we're still at home, and we call around for reinforcements. At 12.05 a.m. on November 8th, Karen Campice arrives at our house. She will remain at our house for the next 16 hours, taking care of Ada. Thank you. And thanks to all of you who were on call for those middle-of-the-night possibilities. You know who you are, and you should know that you mean the world to us. For the next seven hours, labor continues, and progress is actually going slower with Ben than it did with Ada. At, no- at 6.55 a.m. on November 8th, Caitlin's blood pressure drops. At 6.57 a.m., Ben's heart rate drops and then disappears from the monitor. Not just that they can't find it, but that it appears to be gone. And it doesn't come back. And all of a sudden, things are happening really, really fast. The nurses are on the phone with surgery. Caitlin's doctor is rushing in. They're unplugging things from the wall to get the hospital bed mobilized to bring her to surgery. Running down the hall, Caitlin is rushed to surgery for an emergency C-section. And although I run down the hall with the hospital bed to stay with Caitlin as long as possible, after she gets to the elevator, I'm left to return to the hospital room by myself to change into scrubs and to wait for someone to come and get me. At this moment, I have no idea what's happening. I don't know if my son has a heartbeat or not. I don't know if Caitlin is okay or not. And I don't know if my son lives, if he'll have brain damage, but I'm wondering about it. 7.08 a.m., I sit, I pray. And when in doubt for words, I always look for a psalm. Psalm, some expression that I'm looking for of anxiety, of grief, of concern, of lament. And I've got nothing. All I can think of is Psalm 136, because we used it for consistory devotions earlier that week, the meeting that Ben didn't get me out of. I'll tell you that Psalm 136 was not the expression of a psalm that I was looking for, but it was the only one I could think of in my head. You might know it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures the ever, forever. Who spread the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. That was not the psalm that I wanted. I began to bargain with God for my son's life. And Psalm 136 continues. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. 
the moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. I chuckle to myself as I think about how sometimes we complain that contemporary music is so repetitive, but it has nothing on the repetition of Psalm 136. (laughs) To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. As Psalm 136 cannot leave my mind, as that refrain of his love endures forever continues to echo in my soul, I'm brought to an incredibly uncomfortable place, an an expression of trust, that whether Ben lives, whether Ben dies, or whether Ben lives but suffers much, that the love of God will endure forever. His love endures forever. And I admitted to God that if Ben dies, I don't think I'll resonate very much with the love of God for a while in my heart. Even if my head knowledge tells me that everything that I know is true is still true, there will be a season where I will not know it in my heart. But I trust that I will recover it over time, the knowledge that the love of the Lord endures forever. But I will be distant from it. I also realize that I have nothing to bargain with because I belong to God and my son belongs to God. And because I don't believe in works righteousness, there's no good deeds that any of us have that makes a difference in the throne room of God But our prayers are still heard, but they're not heard because of us. They are heard because of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf. Not because of anything that I've done or left undone. There's no bargaining with God, the sovereign creator of the universe who stretched out his hand and created the sun, moon, and stars, and his love endures forever. We are all equally redeemed through the blood of Christ. And the death and resurrection of Christ means grace for all of us. But following Jesus does not exempt us from suffering or misfortune. What I know in my head is that his love endures forever, no matter what happens. And in God's sovereignty, if Ben lives, I knew I'd be relieved and I would thank God for showing me the hand of Jesus at work in this precious little one. And if the worst should happen, if my son should die, his love endures forever. But I won't feel it. I'll be numb to it. I will be dependent upon the love of God expressed through the people of North Holland to get Caitlin and I through a crisis. God's love will endure forever, but we will need people to walk alongside of us. For if we share any words with those Greeks, we would like to see Jesus. We know that we would need to keep walking alongside of people who would patiently walk with us and point us to Jesus as we journey back. We would endure because we know that the body of Christ will be with us 
even when the love of God the Father seems hard to comprehend. In this moment of theological epiphany and deep love for this church, a nurse comes in and says, Stephen, you can follow me to the OR. She doesn't say if things are good or bad, but I do have peace because his love endures forever. I'm led down to the OR and the staff note that I seem unusually good at preparing to enter a surgery area. And I'm like, yep, not my first time. I'm a pastor. I learned this procedure years ago when Sandy Vanderswag was in quarantine. I enter the operating room. I hold Caitlin's hand. I look and I see that our doctor's there and her presence alone is comforting. And then she says, well, that's a good sound, isn't it? And in that moment, we realize that Ben is crying, that he's born, and he appears to be fine. I get to cut the cord. I hold him. I officially agree that his name is Benjamin. Hebrew, Ben Yamin, son of my right hand, all that is best within me. I give him to Caitlin, and they go to post-op. His love endures forever. But whether we witness a miracle or whether we suffer greatly, whether our hope is renewed and inspired or whether we are crushed beneath the weight of tragedy, in all times and in all places, his love endures forever, regardless of our feelings of proximity towards that love. And so it is, little Benjamin, that I pray that you encounter people time and time again who have the same request as those Greeks in John 12. We would like to see Jesus. Whether we're in a place of suffering and we would like to see Jesus perform a miracle, whether we're in a place of curiosity or even skepticism and we would like to see Jesus to know what this is all about, I pray, Benjamin, that not only do you say, I would like to see Jesus, I would like to know him, I would like to follow him. I also pray that you're the type of person that people can approach to know that there's something different about you. And that that leads them to say, what is it about you? And that you point to Jesus. And they would say, we would like to see Jesus. That you serve as a sign and seal, just as your baptism serves as a sign and seal of God's promises. A sign that points towards the greater truth of Christ. A seal, just like a notary, seals an envelope and marks it. That it is being held onto until the day of opening. That you, your life is a sign that points to Christ. And that you know that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. In times of dread and in times of joy. Be the person like Philip and Andrew. You notice that of all the disciples, Philip and Andrew are the only two with Greek-sounding names. And so it's not surprising that the Greeks that were at the festival go up to Philip and Andrew because they seem a little bit more maybe approachable than the rest of Jesus' disciples. 
And so the Greeks go to the person that they feel is most approachable and ask him if they can see Jesus. Benjamin, I pray that your witness will be one that makes the love of God feel approachable, that people's curiosity can be offered to you, and that if they have too hard of questions, you can refer them to your mother. (laughs) It seems fitting on the day of baptism that we would have this verse about a kernel of wheat falling to the ground, being planted that it may yield a harvest since Grandpa and Grandma DeVries are both farmers reaching back generations. It could have been a kernel of corn, I guess. But that the point is the same, that you invest your life in the lives of those around you in such a way that it yields a bountiful harvest. That you give yourself completely to Jesus. That the sign and seal that you are of Christ's love may be offered to the whole world, that they may know that his love endures forever, that people may know that they are loved by Jesus and cared for by the church. As Jesus explains all of this about the seeds, he goes on then to say, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Save me from this hour? Maybe this is what we've prayed in times of suffering, in times of fear. Jesus says, no, it's for this very reason I came to this hour. Much like Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus first prayed, Father, if at all possible, take this cup of suffering away from me, please. But then resolves to not your will, but mine. And instead, Jesus asks God to glorify his name. I pray that even in times of trial and fear, that God's name may be glorified. Even when we feel distance from God, that God's name may still be glorified through those who come alongside of us in times of trial. To walk until we can walk alongside of others in turn. Just as I remind families before funerals, there are times where we just can't sing because there's too much in our heart. And that's okay because there's people to sing with us And we, in turn, will be there to sing alongside of others when their grief is too near. A voice came from heaven, the voice of God the Father saying, I have glorified it, being God's name, and I will glorify it again. And then it's interesting, just as at Pentecost, there seems to be confusion about what people heard. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said that an angel had spoken to him. But those Greeks that said, we want to see Jesus, it's my hope and prayer that they know exactly what happened. That God glorified God's name in the presence of God the Son for all to hear as a witness and testimony to God the Father. In the very same way, I hope that then you will not be confused when things happen and try to find some other explanation for the ways in which God's hand is at work, but that you see the fullness of God's sovereignty in everything from biological processes to miracles, that there is no God of the gaps, that God only exists in the things that you understand, because then as your understanding grows, your concept of God will shrink. But rather, that that which you understand and that which we don't understand is all under the steadfast love of God and the scope of God's sovereignty. 
There is no God of the gaps, that God only works in the things we don't understand. But that everything from photosynthesis to particle physics is all in the realm of God's sovereignty. So that you won't be confused and wonder if it thundered or if an angel had just spoken to Jesus, but that you will know that Jesus spoke, that Jesus heard from God, and that all the people who come to you and say, we would like to see Jesus, that you point them well onto your Savior. Jesus said that he would draw all people to himself. Sometimes reading the Gospels, we think that it almost sounds like salvation is only for the Jews. But this is one of those clear examples where Jesus is making himself accessible to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to all people, and that Jesus himself says, I will draw all people to myself. And how does this happen? The light of the world is going to be raised up, is going to be lifted up, and this confuses people. But wasn't Jesus going to stay the whole time? Wasn't the Messiah going to stay forever? Jesus says, no, you'll only have the light for a little while. But this is so that you may become children of light. Children of light, just as children of the seed, multiply over and over again. So my dear Benjamin, I pray that you may be a child of light, that you may be a seed that multiplies to a bountiful harvest of those who come to see Jesus. And I also pray that you remember to thank God for all those who were before you because every single one of us who knows the love of Jesus Christ learned it from someone else. We all can trace lineage back to the one who is the light of the world, that this has been passed on over and over again from generation to generation. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. So, Ben, I hope you're a child of the light, that you give yourself and that you pass along what you've learned about the faith, and that you give thanks to all those who come alongside of you, who have prayed for you, all those who will be your teachers, your youth group leaders, your prayer partners, each and every one who walks alongside of you, because we all need them. We all need them to walk alongside of us that we as a church may be strengthened in faith, that we all may know that the love of God endures forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let's pray. God, for your sovereign grace, for your love, for your nearness to us in times of suffering, even when we don't sense your nearness, for the joy that you give us in times of celebration, even when we forget to come back and say thank you, for moments of witness when people come to us and say we would like to see Jesus, strengthen and nourish us as your church, that we may be ready to point to Jesus and to know that this is not just a singular task for one person, but that this is the work of the whole church and that God will grant us the wisdom that we need in times of need. Give thanks to the Lord, the God of heaven, for his love 
endures forever. Amen.